G'day all. Just before the podcast starts, I'd like to apologize for my audio quality in the first half of this episode. Unfortunately, my microphone jack was not correctly plugged in, and we only noticed about 30-odd minutes into the podcast, so it uh, it came through my internal microphone and my laptop. The quality isn't unlistenable, but as an audio file, I still apologize. Uh, hopefully, you guys... Stick and still listen and enjoy the podcast, but the takes were had, they were fresh, and we felt it was better to not redo it and just release what we'd done. Anyway, enjoy the show. This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. I'm Matt Bungard. Alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good day, everybody. Uh, we are back again. Uh, we just coming off the last full round before State of Origin. A couple of games this weekend, but uh, very much a truncated slate of games coming up. But uh, quickly, let's jump back to what we just witnessed, Mitchell. And um, a gallant performance from your boys on oh, uh, we, Thursday oh, night. We're starting there. <laughs> well, chronologically, it was the first game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I mean there, look, there's not. Uh, look, we don't need to probably don't need to delve too much into this game, but I know people will want to get your thoughts on Brisbane. Sort of come down after that fantastic win against the Roosters and the Storm. Seemingly, just doesn't really matter who's who plays for them when they play at Suncorp. I kind of felt like the Storming players out was way more overblown than like Brisbane also have lots of players out. Like that was annoying me during the coverage. And also, Anthony Milford is like the world's greatest handbrake. I guess the main things in this game is, firstly, you got Nico Hines' like salary offered doubled in like a week. <laughs> like, we'll talk about that later, but that deal for the Sharks is massive. I'm shocked by that. But secondly, I've already broken up with Anthony Milford on this podcast. Everybody knows that. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see him in a Brisbane jersey again after that game. I, I believe he would have got roasted in the review. He got hooked early. But that was a disgusting performance from, from Tony. And it's I know they were talking about on the coverage, they feel sorry for him. And that really annoyed me because it's the same people who have been chasing him for years. And the moment they get their rewards, I guess, what you know, they, he, he crumbles. They're up, they go, oh, I feel so sorry for Anthony Milford. No, you don't. Like, even like four or five weeks, he was getting, they were smashing him. But anyway, he was terrible, and it just shows why he can't be in that team. His confidence is gone. Yeah. it's He doesn't look like a first-grade footballer, but he just can't get out of the way, mate. Like, he still thinks he can run out of trouble. He can create anything from nothing. He needs to go through that lesson that guys like Benji and even Albert Kelly went through, that when you're getting older and out of shape and you're not as fast as you were, you've got to adapt your game. But instead, Milford can't get out of the way. You can't stick to the game plan they're given. You hear Kevin talk about it pre-game, post-game, whatever. They just wanted playing basic straight to the middle. Milford do the bare minimum, you know, play off the back of the forwards and go from there. But instead, he gets in the fucking way all the time. And, yeah, just terrible in this game. And I know he – I feel sorry for him because obviously I stand in for a long time and he's shattered. 
but I'm happy to never see him in Brisbane jersey again. I was happy before this game to never see him in a Brisbane jersey again either. So, yeah, time for a breakup. It's tough. I mean, I don't think his career is over. I just think he needs to go somewhere else. Uh, where that will be remains to be seen. Uh, he, Probably end up being Souths, but he was asking me 600k a couple of weeks ago. He did the reverse Nico Hines in this game. Like he would. I think anyone who had a 400k offer pen, penned up for him. That was the rumors that clubs were actually willing to get near. I ripped it up watching like 15 minutes in that game. Like this is this is more than a 400k project, and my belief is he won't do it. But my belief is he really wants his career back on track. He should be calling, and I hate this cop out. I sound like someone on 360, but he should be calling Craig Bellamy and saying, "Look, you just lost Nico Hines. Let me be your Nico Hines next year. I'll do it for 100k. I'll do 150k. I'll be your Nico Hines. I'll I'll back. I'll be in the 21. I won't play." And that's Pappenhausen on Munster injured. But I'm willing to come down there and rebuild my career. And it might sound ridiculous at his age, but guys like Benji did that when he went to Brisbane. And I, I know Benji had bigger heights than Milford had, but I think their struggles in, in, towards their late 20s probably a bit similar in that sense of refusing to adapt how they play the game. And Benji plays the game very smart now, but I think people have forgotten that period of his career when, he was just like Milford. We didn't, he just kept trying to create what his legs didn't have for, for a while there. So he needs to get humbled, though. I don't know where he'd go. I think South isn't actually an option. I think Dimitri might think he can, you know, reinvigorate him down there. Maybe he plays seven with Cody. I don't know how you feel about that, Bungard, but... I like it. I mean, they, they don't have a plan for next year currently, so... I mean, he can't... Okay, he can be worse than Dean Hawkins or similar, right? But... But if, he's, he but if it works out, I don't think he'll lose much in like a one fifty. You can't. It's like the Benji thing's already paid itself off with those like two games Benji won yeah. for Souths pretty much by himself. Um, yeah. And it's the same thing. And yeah, look, we've seen enough from the games where Adam Reynolds has been out to know that Benji's not a long term answer for next season either. So correct. And no hopefully the that is a road they go Milford, down. No matter the offer for Milford, it can't be a Brisbane. That's what it is. Main thing is he could be paying Brisbane a play and I wouldn't want him on the field, you know? Yeah. He has to go elsewhere. He has to rehabilitate his career elsewhere. Um, Cowboys had a good win, and uh, Todd Payton's men, after a rough start now, are firmly entrenched. I say firmly entrenched, but if they'd lost this game, they wouldn't be in the top eight at all. Firmly entrenched in the top eight in seventh spot, equal with Manly. And, um, yeah, they, they blew a huge lead, battled back late, and then Val Holmes kicked a field goal, which I reckon would have gone over from about 65 metres. <laughs> yeah. kicked the shit out of that. It's one of the sweetest hits since, like, prime Chrissy and prime Benji. One of the sweetest field goals I've seen. Uh as everyone knows in this podcast, we were talking about Peyton all off-season. And it looked like we'd been suckered in after a few weeks. But there was that period of agitation. Josh McGuire is gone. And I think Peyton learned he was actually doing the wrong thing with Tamalolo, which is good because you can still learn on the job as a coach, and a rookie coach. And he's got that mix right now. He's kind of found where to use Cohen Hess. And I know people are laughing at Hess and the origin side. And it, I don't think he should be there either. But he's actually played pretty well in the middle, of the, like the last five or six weeks. He was starting at prop, and now he's came off the bench, and he's looking pretty, he's all looking right there. But he got the best football out of Jake Clifford, and that that on Saturday again, we like to talk about how I'm not an emotional man, but that in front of that did kind of get me seeing him crying after the game, knowing he's leaving and probably doesn't want to leave because yeah. we've all you know me, you people listen to this podcast, right? I grew up dreaming of being a Brisbane Bronco and I never was one, obviously. Not even close. But if I became one and had to go, 
yeah, it'll be tough. And that's probably what Clinton's situation is feeling like. But he's been fantastic this year under Peyton. And I feel like time again, if Peyton was there mid-year last year, Clifford would still be there. They wouldn't be signing Deard and then Townsend, but he was already confirmed to go. And Clifford's now gone and, and Deard's yeah. up there. But they but they're also good. Like, they've got Holmes at fullback where he belongs, playing really well. Scott Drinkwater can defend now. So that's a big plus. And then he's actually finally brought along young backs at Murray Tolangi, Hamasoto, Boy Fidel. Those guys were there last year and they were playing the hammer. But Paul Green had a lot of issues over the last couple of years. And everyone knows as far as that, that Cowboys team is that he'd bring in young fellas for a couple of games. If they didn't play, like if they didn't play to their skin, they were gone weeks later. Or they had their first bad game and they were gone. And those same guys at Murray Tolangi probably wouldn't have the confidence from Paul Green last year. He's now on the side playing really well. Canelli, uh, when he comes back, will probably be back in the team as well. But even your comparables, when you see them like pushing Aratula out of first grade up there, down here, like they're kind of churning these young backs that have its potential and kind of destroying their careers. But yeah, it looks like a pretty good team now. And I think that spot, that seventh spot is theirs to lose, seventh or eighth. Like, yeah, I mean it's it's so tight. Like if, if they lost this game, they would be eleventh right now instead of seventh. Um, that log jam to win the right to be belted by Manly Elite one of the finals is really heating up. Uh, but but oh, yeah, but uh, you know, it's annoying me. Sorry, mate. You got sorry, cut you off. No, no. So yeah, but the Warriors are such an interesting team this year, and and it's it's kind of weird because I mean we were as low as could be on them at the start of the season, but. I mean, they showed a lot of heart to come back from 22 points down, and they should honestly feel a bit aggrieved that they didn't win this game, given where they were with a few minutes to go. They've shown that that team end of last season, you know, that's a bit more realistically what this squad can perform at that level. And, yeah, it's happening on and off in this season. And they should, they've lost some games they should have won, and they'll probably end up lower than the ladder, ladder they deserve because of it. But, yeah, this is one of those games that, you know, Reese Walsh had really good moments. He also had bad moments to get ignored that they do when they love these young fellas. Like, pretty much two of those, I reckon two of those tries aren't scored if two of Archer is fullback. And that's, I don't know, Walsh brought lots of points on, on, on offer as well, but those are the kind of things that if you want to win these football games, RTS is your fullback. Yeah. They've chosen development over that. Exactly. And like people, that. people are saying, oh, you know, it's a testament to how good Reese Walsh is that they've moved a player of two of Archer quality. It's like, no, they've moved him because he's leaving. At the end of the year, if Tuvasashek was a warrior in twenty twenty two, there is no chance that Reese Walsh would not be playing on the wing instead. Yeah, but that, like Toe Harris having a great year there. They've got that awkward like Wade Egan. Just I don't know what their answer is there, but half the leagues teams in the league down, haven't got a hooker, so whatever. But he's going all right. You and Aiken's still going okay. They're, they're doing all right without Fusatua. But yeah, it feels like that his team. This year, at least, in the, in, they're one of the teams that at least makes some of the game entertaining under the current rule changes. They 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 play in patches, and they've had some close games. Like they lost by they won by four against the Tigers. They got done by like sixteen by Para, but they've had a few decent games now. And um, obviously, Walsh brings a lot of entertainment factor. But I am glad that most fans who watch it understand that like he ain't the finished product. Except for those, like, again, the media thing. It's like it's just the same. We've all been down this thing. It's so annoying every time you watch the coverage. And they talk about one child. It's like when they did it with Ponga at first. And I believe Ponga was a better talent than Reese Walsh. And it's still got really annoying. Yeah. You don't even watch that game. They're talking about Reese Walsh's origin credentials. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, 
I'm not against the guy playing Origin up to six first grade games. I do believe players can be good enough to do that. But he plays yeah, a position yeah. that Caelan Ponga, Val Holmes, and AJ Brimson play. So go away. <laughs> I agree. Uh, team of the podcast got a win. They're back on track. Are they? <laughs> nah, I'm, just, I'm happy they won. I mean, I think the Dragons are in a. I mean, that, that good start they had to the season is pretty much. Completely done and dusted now. Um, they're sort of circling the drain a little bit. Uh, it was nice to see James Roberts get a try. Or two tries, I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, I mean, a, a pretty controlled performance. And I think even even the most pessimistic of Tigers fans were probably feeling pretty good about this team at halftime. I mean, I, I, just a dominant first half. Something we haven't really seen from the Tigers at all, even in the games they've won. Yeah, it's, I think the disappointing thing for the Tigers is... The points are then in the back of this game. It doesn't seem like much, but the Tigers always are a team that gets in and around the finals, as we know, or finish final four similar. And they always have terrible for and against. They just refuse when given the opportunity to take advantage of that. So they were, they were by far the better team for the majority of this fixture. And they did, and they scored 34 points. They only won by 16 when they should have won by 30. And, uh, yeah, this team just... They should be fighting for the eight this year. They should be. I know people will laugh at that, but that team yeah. it has flaws. It has good enough strength that it should be fighting for the eight. And it'd be frustrating as a Tigers fan that this that they just can't do it. Like, well, you know, game. I mean, they're currently two points outside the eight. So, yeah. and look, and you, you, what we said last week is true. Some team is going to get in with 10 or 11 wins. Maybe two teams with 10 or 11 wins. So, you know, uh, they, 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 they're doing all right. Uh, and look, they, it would be the most Tigers thing ever on this, the week of the baby Broncos anniversary, I think, to um, lose to Penrith's reserve team this week. Yeah, I mean, I think the Dragons will probably beat Brisbane this week, or likely, because they've got Duffy back, uh, Birds in the centres, sorry, in the back row, DeBellin's back, Ravalava's back, they'll go right, but it would be the most tiring ever to lose to this Penrith side this week. It's still a good Penrith team, to be fair. It is. That's the thing. I actually, I saw the lineup. I'm like, geez, I probably would rather have lost to the full strength Penrith team because they're probably got, like they might lose to Penrith Reserve, and that's far more embarrassing. But it's a pretty strong team. Just retiring mate seven is a big issue. But yeah, I, I know the Tigers fans are kind of giving up on this year still anyway. So there's still those good signs out of Dane Laurie, Joe in you know, Origin form now apparently. Origin Bolter mate going great. Uh, and then looking at you know Gildart's being confirmed. Hastings is coming. Yeah, the, the things are look finally kind of looking up for Tigers, but I guess they're kind of sick of things looking up. They're, they're still $2.60 outsiders, yeah. so... <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. We'll see. Uh, Souths are back. Never never doubted the boys. Nah, in all seriousness, no, good good to get a win over another over, over a fellow top four contender after the last two games against top four contenders didn't go particularly well. Um, my boy Alex Johnson in a hat-trick. Dane Gago also getting a hat-trick. Um, yeah, fantastic... Fantastic performance. They looked really, really good. A couple of cheap tries at the end for Parramatta. Um, yeah, they, they sorely needed this. And now they sort of move into a patch of their season after this week where they play a few of the bottom teams. I think the best team they play in the next five or six weeks is the Cowboys. Um, and yeah, real chance for them to really cement a place in that top four. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously hard in the back of those two big losses from South. But it's good to see them bounce back so quickly. And it was the best game from a number of South players in a long time in this in this fixture. Damien Cook's back in a big yeah, way, a good just game. in time. I do think you're not ridiculous to say Keon should have been in the Origin discussion. I don't think I am. Well, he's, he's better. Than, well, look, he's, I think he's better than Tarek Sims this year. So do I. He he had another cracker in this game, but yeah, that left edge, mate. Like 
the Eagles, they don't need the tactical switch, moving Tom Opacek to replace Wonga Blake on that edge. And I just laugh. It's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it just doesn't matter who's on that, on that edge against South. You know, like, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. And, yeah, they got smoked. Gagai's had three. Johnson, three. It looks like Gagai might be staying again now. Who knows? Yeah, I'd be happy with that. And Johnson moves another three closer to Ken Irvine's record, which I still... <laughs> I, look, I think me and Campo first started talking about this maybe, like, three years ago. Yeah. And at the time, he was like, no. Nah. No, no way. Every every time I speak to him about it now, I feel like I break him down a little bit further. Because every time, <laughs> yeah, because like honestly, what's he at now? A hundred and um, I think he's like a hundred and twenty or hundred hundred eighteen. So he's he's inside a hundred now, well inside hundred. He needs ninety three tries to be the greatest ever try scorer in the NRL, and he is twenty six years old. So he can do it. It just, I mean, again, a lot of like everybody knows that half the tries he scores, anyone could score. But he's on South's left wing and he re-signed smartly eventually. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, um, so. yeah, happy for him. Uh, a couple other games this week. Not much to write home. Penrith, Bulldogs. I mean, first half was absolutely disgraceful. Better in the second, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Who cares? Uh, so Ali got a try. Good for him. Raiders. Let's talk about the Raiders a little bit because they are a team... in absolute free-for-all. They are now third last. George Williams has gone home. The... the Interesting thing that we saw uh, was that that Instagram post from Williams where he sort of had a go at the club a little bit, which got liked by about 10 of the current playing group as well. Um, seems like the, the chemistry and the culture down there is, is, is in a really bad way. <laughs> is it what? Like, the, everything's been played out in the media the last couple of weeks, which is disgusting. The Hodgson things last week were hilarious. Like, strategy, like everyone's playing out all in the media. Bizarre. But you can see it on the field too, mate. Like, they just pack it in so quickly. That's a team that doesn't give a shit at the moment. Like, they don't care if they win or lose. You know, once it gets tough, they pack it in. And there's a long way to like it's a long way to go in this season from a team that seems seems to have given up. And there's left without answers, mate. Like they just they keep trying different things. And I don't know who like will they do they move the hookers around again? Do they try Hodgson at seven ridiculously? I, I don't know. Just look listening to the takes from the Raiders fans has just been I mean it's it's a pretty, it's a pretty amusing exercise in human psychology and the human condition of, of what uh, what supporting a team that constantly lets you down can do to your brain. But yeah, look, calling for like three different hookers to be in the starting team in various positions, uh, that's not going to help you. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah. it's yeah, it, it looks really bad for them. I do feel bad, and look, this is a team that a lot of people predicted to go close to winning a premiership this year, and that is just not going to happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's a team that. Like, I don't know. I'd like to see... There's not many changes left to make. They've made all the changes. Mm. Anyone I'd like to see is uh, Xavier Savage, is a young Queenslander who's played cup down. Good name. Come in on the wing, push Bailey Simons and all somebody to full back for Caleb Aikens because I just can't see another Caleb, Caleb Aikens game. They can't. They can't do it. He's been terrible. But, yeah, they do, they do miss CNK a fair bit. Um, yeah. But it doesn't... I mean, look, he's not going to be back to what? Round 24 or round 25. So it's, that's not going to... He's not, he's not coming back through the door to help them either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chaos for, for, for the Roosters, though, that one thing is that Joseph Manu was fantastic at six in this game. I know it was made easy by how bad the Raiders were, but it does leave them in a situation there. It's like, do they just play Suwali at centre now and Manu at six? Suwali hasn't been a standout, but he's looked like he's belonged, which is a fair way for a 17 year old anyway. So I'd probably go down that path and maybe Suwali doesn't hold up. If he doesn't hold up, they can get him out of there. I think they do that, but. 
Manu's in such a weird spot that like that guy's shown a number of times that he can do it in a key position on the field. Yet he's still just a, a center at the Roosters. Like I don't know why he's ever been poached, and I'd be comfortable at the Roosters giving him like seven hundred k a year to play in the centers, knowing that if a one or a six goes down, he can play there. But it feels like he's overdue being overpaid by somebody else. But I think the he's is, if they hadn't already played Reese Walsh, but yeah. uh, oh well. Um, the Titans continue to be the most frustrating and disappointing team of the season, getting absolutely belted by the Sharks. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how much you can analyze from this. They just got blown off the park. But why is this happening? The Titans, you, everyone knows my feelings about this franchise. They are off-season darlings. I will never, ever, ever believe in this team until it's too late. They have to prove something to me before I ever believe in them. Every off, every second off-season, sorry, not every off-season, every second off-season they make a couple of signings and everyone thinks they're going to rocket up the ladder into the top eight. They're a bizarrely analysed team that their flaws are just ignored by the wider public. The best scenario is always painted for them by everybody. And they get given the keys to, to, to Queensland by how poorly the Cowboys in Brisbane were going. And they just fucking give them back. I don't want the keys. You don't, don't trust me with the keys. Don't give me the keys to Queens. I don't want the fuck to do with the keys. I can't drive. But yeah, they're, they're, they're a team that's signed. Fafita's a fantastic sign. Pino's a fantastic sign. There's no, there's no denying that. But they still have given the keys of their own team to fucking Mitch Rain, Jamal Fogarty, Tana Boyd, and Fogarty's decent. These will be a second six somewhere. And then don't start with the two to five, they're a disgrace as well. They're not near a top eight team. They have a, a few top four players and then garbage around it. And whatever. We'll, we'll keep doing this cycle forever. So they finally win something that's worth anything. We'll go, they'll, whatever. The offseason will happen. They'll, they'll steal someone from somewhere for too much money. And we'll go, ah, the Titans are going to finally make that next year. And they fucking Because <laughs> they just yeah. don't do it. They don't do it. <laughs> no, uh, and a pretty, you know, probably the only upset of the weekend. Um, Newcastle, big win over Manly. There, their arch rivals. Um, excellent performance by Daniel Safidi. I thought capped with a crap with that great try at the end, which sealed the match. Um, uh, yeah, uh, just a really unexpected result. I, I'm not sure what to make of this. Tom Tavoyevich played, so why were Manly? Bad? <laughs> uh, their their one team man team is now Josh Schuster. That's that's why. Ah, okay. <laughs> Uh, I I did I did enjoy this game even though it was like people thought it was a bit of a stinker but I enjoyed it because like the Knights aimed up defensively a lot and I, I even thought on on the manly side I thought even guys like Morgan Harper actually did a really good job on Braden and Bess but I thought it was a pretty entertaining fixture and the not manly didn't know what to do when like those early sweet plays and early at the and plays that Tommy Turbo weren't, weren't going their way they didn't know what to do like it's the first time since you've been back that a team's actually kind of contained him. And it's quite often that Tommy Toe was running across field trying to find gaps and so on. It just wasn't happening for him. And I think no Schuster really uh, slowed down their left-hand side attack. They obviously lost Kieran Foran as well. And they ended up, ended up playing, um, what's his name? This, you know, they played Tavita Funa in the, in, uh, at six because Kate Cust also injured. So a lot of injuries there, but the Knights still have theirs. And they did this without Callum Ponga. And they had Felix Crossland step up and play really well. And I thought Connor Watson... Was pretty good too. I have no idea how he didn't get Dally in points, but he has a, it's a tough win for the Knights and more of what they expected from them this season. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Sophie's second set was exceptional, as you said. Yeah. Matt. He came back on and won in that game. And I feel bad for Clemmer. Like he just he's like he has games like this, and he still just is nowhere near the Origin team anymore. And I, he just doesn't feel like he ever will be again. 
Well, Knights won in the way that they won in the way that like nobody wins under the new rules. Like Penrith and Storm have won a couple of games tough, but teams haven't been able to do that under these new rules. Mm. They did that, so I thought that's why I thought it was an impressive win by them, even though they, like they weren't outstanding with the ball in hand. They looked like they didn't know where the ball was going to come from, but once they were ahead, they controlled that game to the finish. Gritty. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's jump ahead. Uh. Let's let's get all the breaking ish news out of the way before we talk about Origin. First of all. Uh, Nico Hines, Cronulla Sharks, uh, according to Phil Rothfield, have signed him on a three-year deal worth nearly $2 million. And that looks like it'll be the end for Sean Johnson at Cronulla. What the fuck have they done? <laughs> like, I um, heard been, the queue for Nico Hines have been growing. And I heard the Sharks, and obviously we all saw the Sharks were coming. Heard they made a big offer. I didn't realize they made an offer this big, like 600 k a year. I don't get it. Like I like Nico Hines. I was concerned about Brisbane taking him on three fifty to four hundred to be their fullback, not knowing if it would work out. It's a it's a big bet to take three years two hundred k to come in and essentially say goodbye to Sean Johnson because Will Kennedy's their fullback. They've already repaid, signed and paid Will Kennedy. It's a bizarre one. I mean, he's a good player, so maybe it works out. It just feels weird that that's where he ended up. It was not my expected destination for him. No. I mean, they've obviously seen something in him that make, make them believe he, he could be a good 5'8". Again, he was a 5'8 before fullback. But, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bizarre one for mine. And I know there was, uh, like, the Warriors came in. Brisbane were in for him. The Melbourne trying to re-sign him. I don't know if the Dragons thing was ever real. If you offered me those things on paper, I probably wouldn't have guessed he went to the Sharks. But I guess, the, obviously, money talks. And 600K is a lot of money for a dude who, like, two weeks ago... Getting offered 300k. So, good on him. I'd love Sean Johnson at Souths. I don't know. What does it mean for Sean? I don't know a clue. Like, he doesn't want to go to Canberra either, right? And at least you're not going to go to a team like the Bulldogs or, you know, who's another team that might need a halfback? West, maybe if they do get rid of Brooks. Um, I don't know. Souths makes the most sense, fit wise. Um, Whether they have the money is another thing. Whether they can sell him on, you know, trying to win a premiership or something like that if he takes less money, I don't know. But I don't know. Get Benji in there. Get Benji doing the recruiting. I mean, I'd love him at Brisbane. Everyone knows this. But with, I think Tony, the six is happening. So that's not going to happen. It's, no, it's, it's very a strange one. It's Yeah, it's very hard to see where he would end up next year. I mean, the Knights have already got Clifford as well. That's one we know many of the fans of the podcast have looted. The Raiders are a good fit too. I mean, Manly is a, is a, is a good fit. I mean, yeah, it'd be fun. But Foran's got, he's got an offer next year. I but think. It, I, isn't, I think Schuster has already been promised to crack at that jersey as well. So oh, well, I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know where he ends up. But I do know like the Melbourne were really keen to keep him because they just, there's obviously a bit of guesswork in the future of Cam Munster with Brisbane too. Yeah. So it's still a big get for them. It just feels like the weird, a weird one if it was. Hines or Johnson, I think many of us would have picked Johnson regardless of age. And Nico is not old, but he's also like 25, 26. He's not exactly... He's older either. than people realise. Yes, but... he's not exactly the young up-and-comer that, you know, he's, he's not got 10 years in him. No. Uh, yeah. so uh, 24, quick... sorry, 25 on my birthday. There you go. Oh, quick bit of breaking news. Uh, Felice Kafusi found not guilty for tripping. We'll play Origin 1 next week. Good. And let's talk about Origin 1. Um being moved to Townsville 
once again, the QRL getting a leg up from those <laughs> corrupt dogs running the game. Pathetic. Yeah, uh, this is goddamn awesome. I love this. Like, the good people of Townsville, mate, they better, they better fucking burn the stadium down. Win or lose after the game. They better be setting off fire alarms pre-match at the Blues Hotel from legitimate fires at 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 6 a.m. They, go, they better flip the bloody team bus. The bar the bar set high of expectations for this Townsville crowd, but that team bus, that better get stripped apart when they try to drive that into the stadium, the Blues team bus. I'm expecting a lot from the good people of Townsville. I'd be disappointed if I don't get it. Yeah, and so we've had the team selection since uh, we last spoke. Uh, the blue, we'll start with the blues. Um, I mean, the back seven is the back seven I would have picked, so they've they've nailed that. But um, it's when you get beyond that, there's a couple of sort of head scratches, most notably Jake Tabojevic playing prop, Tarek Sims on an edge, and Jack Whiten on the bench. I think they're the three that most people would probably take a bit of issue with. Yeah, you could probably argue, and I, I would argue that Daniel Supo should have kept his spot and. Tupo, Brian Toto deserves origin as well, but it happens sometimes, you know? And Daniel Tupo is one of those guys, if he was a Queenslander, he would have been in that team for like eight years straight and just been at that stage of like, he, he just, he wouldn't even be questioned. It doesn't matter how good the other wing is going, he'd just be picked. So I do feel sorry for him because he was good in origin last year and he's been good for a number of years to lose that position. But Brian Toto, you know, did earn it as well. But that one to seven... They've pretty much nailed it. And the real advantages for the Blues do come in those centres over, over the Queensland ones. But the forward pack, 100% right on that, mate. It's, it's not even just about names on paper. It's just the fit's awkward. And, you know, guys like Fitler and Andrew Johns and Greg Alexander, they could write books or a bloody library on the things they know about rugby league that I don't know. They could. But sometimes you watch those guys go into these camps and you just wonder... How much of the, the the you know the tactical stuff of the modern game they're really focused in on, and you look at the fit of the starting side here, and you think they've just they've treated it like they can treat the back line. The back line you can kind of treat it like just get the best players in there, you know. But you look at that starting pack, and you're like, geez, you've got the Owen Tavoyevich. Do you understand what Tavoyevich does? Like, do you understand that he's He's not a hit-up guy. He's not a ball carrier. He is a ball-playing lock. We all know this. He's a, he's a guy who moves the ball out of the middle. And so is Isaiah Yo. So that's a bit weird. And then you look at the bench, you're like, oh, you know what's weird? It's like, you do know, like, Payne Haas is, like, mainly good when he plays big minutes. You know, and he's one good – he's had – he's played Orange, what, three games. Mediocre and two – I think it's three games with his injuries. No, four games, sorry. But his best Origin game came when they played in 55-odd minutes. It just, it's a weird fit. It's like, start paying hearts, problem solved, get an impact forward off the bench, and don't play Ken Murray on the edge. Because, yes, he can do it, but the guy on the edge there, like, I'm assuming he's on that left-hand side. And that left-hand side, if they're going to take Penrith's shape, and they can probably take Penrith's shape because even with that Coruscant, Cook can do a Coruscant job there. They need a hard line running edge back rower there. That's where the points come from. A lot of it comes from decoy kick out in Penrith. A lot of that space that happens on the left-hand side, you need that guy. And Isaiah Yo, Cleary, and Luai can get, you know, do most of that shape there. But they need someone who isn't Cameron Murray 
Yeah. You can hit that hard line back on the inside to create that shape and space for presumably Luttrell and presumably Addo Carr not left there, but I'm presuming he's going to be there. And probably still have great, you know, joy down that side, but it feels weird that's what they're starting with. And then you probably think they'll move Cam Murray to the middle after 30-odd minutes or similar, whatever they've done in the past, and bring on Liam Martin. And, again, Martin doesn't really play that side for Penrith, but then Murray goes in the middle, and it's not really an impact move. It's just because he doesn't got fresh legs. I hate that shit in Origin. Is the, is the, the only one I can think of in, the, in, the, in, the, in their favour for that is that Murray has played on the left edge sparingly for Souths before, and Souths also have a very potent left edge attack. So perhaps Fittler thinks that he can sort of sort of just slip in there in that kick-out role. Obviously not the same sort of player, but just in the fact that he knows how to play that area on a team that does go left so often. That's really the only defense I can mount for what you're saying. Yeah, maybe Sims plays left edge as well. I don't know what they're actually going to do there. It could all change by game day, but it's just a bit of a weird fit. And I mean, again, put names in the hat of back rollers. And I think even if people put the names in the hat of like 20 back rollers going to play Origin, I don't think many fans would put Tarek Sin's name in that hat. You know, you can pull out a lot of good players that could be there. You can pull out Pangai, uh, Kolomatangi, Luciano Lua. Obviously, Crichton's out and Frizzell's out. Uh, uh, but Sims being there is, is a bit blessed. And you could hear it. I watched the game on Friday on nine and it had Gus commentating and Freddie and similar. And you could hear that night that Sims was going to play Origin. They talk, spoke, spoke about him as an origin contender, and that came from nowhere. And like, I know fans sometimes come at his connection still that they can't even connect it. Like the Blues team, everyone who works for the Blues is like a commentator, all of them. You know, so if you hear them talking about the player on the coverage, it means they're, they're going to pick the player or they'd like the player. Sims was in from Friday, and it's like in that game, he was outplayed by the other guy who was Blues eligible. It was weird, but he's in there. I don't know why he's got that origin player tag. But it's, it's a bit of a weird fit. But I do think as long as they stay in that forward battle, that back line should romp Queensland. It just, I mean, it reminds me of the days when Queensland had a mediocre issue. All the packs were kind of close. And then you look at the, the Queensland back line, you'd see Hodges, Inglis, Slater, Cron, uh, Thurston, or even Lockyer, Thurston. You'd see that back line and go, well, if you're in the battle and you give those guys the early ball, it's game over. Like, that's the advantage that Blues have currently over the Queensland side. Yep, um, but on the Queensland side, you've got um, you you've got your wish. You've got a bolter from reserve grade, Jaden Sewer being in there, which is exciting. <laughs> um, and yeah, look, the backline is is probably thoroughly outmatched, but overall, there's a lot less shock in the Queensland team, and I think it's a team that, um, look, you know, they they've also made huge changes from last year. A few guys aren't there, but. You know, how, I mean, how are you feeling about it overall? I think it, it's 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 close to the best team they could have picked. Yeah, so the they named a, an alphabetical order side. That was very they, funny. And now they've, they've, they've decided they've named the provisional kind of side on NL.com if you go there. Yeah, but there's rumours that Caelan Pong is out. So he won't play from tomorrow. He's out. Uh, I don't... So what I don't like what they've done, they picked probably the best 13 they could pick right now. I don't like Kate Ball in the centres, but there isn't another guy screaming out to take that position. I don't know who they're lining up on, but I think Kate was probably a bit of a better match for Luttrell, and you hope him and Coates stay on the outside and show Luttrell the inside. They probably won't. And then you put Gagai on Turbo. I think that's what they do, but I don't know what changes come in from, from here. But what I don't like, the thing I like the least about the first provisional 17 is that Ben Hunt isn't the 14. 
Picking Alexander Brimson as the 14 is the same stuff the Blues usually do. They just pick some dude, don't know how to use him, and he just doesn't come on the field. Hunt's been really good in Origin the last couple of years. Like, surprisingly good off the bench and in that role. But you get him in camp anyway, and, like, it gives you options that, you know, yeah, Munster well, and DC are fit. But he comes off a of 14, plays that roaming 13 role. Or if Harry Grant, who has fitness concerns, can't play 80, Hunt plays hooker. It just makes sense. Like, he has a role in that side. So... Is it going to be if Ponga's not playing, Brimson will come straight in at fullback and Reed Marnie will get that 14 spot, do you think? What I'd like to see if Pong is out is Fowl Holmes fullback. And Kyle Feltz comes in? Yes. Okay. Because it's in Townsville. Just give the people what they Actually, want. Good that's point. A, that's all I want. The king of Townsville goes to fullback and he kicks two point field goals the whole game and that's it. That's the reason why I made that change. I'd put Ponga, sorry, Holmes at fullback, Feltz on the wing there. And then see what goes from there. I know I'm not a big fan of Felt as an Origin player, but uh, I just think that's a bit of a better fit thing. And I don't know if they do. I don't know if they if AJ would go to fullback. We'll see what changes. But I would prefer Val Holmes to go back there. Uh, the other thing that the surprise selection people saw was Joao Fangawe returning. And he's been pretty good this year. I don't think he's good enough for the arena, but I think it's a one one game jersey anyway to a party play. So I'm not that fussed about it. I'm probably going to give it to Frank Molo, but. I can cop Joe for one game and then going back, you know, it's Papali and Collins out after all for him to get a jersey. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just a really strong middle rotation. You got Tino and Welch starting, you got and you got Fodawaker and, and Joe on the bench. I think it's that's really solid. And then you look at the edges as well, Kafusi and Fafita. Jai Arrow can probably play the whole game if they need him to. I think they he probably won't, but he could. Um it's just a really strong forward pack. I think it is probably the better of the two forward packs. I, I agree, mate. I think uh, Welch is underrated, which is bizarre. Like, people still think he's the same guy from three years ago, but he actually, you know, he, he's a ball player. He's an offloader now. He's one of the best front rowers in the game. He gets com- often disrespected because he's some dude of the storm. He's brilliant. We all see how good Tino was in Origin last year, has been this year. Jairo is the 12th or 13th best middle in the competition, you know. <laughs> 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 and we have the as a match winner. So it's one of those ones that I think, the, they're in balance. I think the, the Queensland pack is much better than the Blues pack. And the Blues could pick a pack that's as good as. They haven't. But the uh, the, the Blues back line thoroughly outweighs Queensland. So it's going to be an interesting game in that regard. If, if, if Queensland smash up the middle, they could probably control the fixture and go from there. But you do you do think, like, you look at that back line from the Blues and you think, you know, we've seen Tedesco's origin form. We've seen what Fight Up the Troll can do. We've seen Tommy Turbo's form. We've seen Luan Cleary together. Maybe Cleary finally owns an origin. Like it's a bloody good backline. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's fantastic. One of the best I've seen at this level. Um, I think given the games moved to Townsville, I'm going to take Queensland in a close one. Yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting. I really want to see as well who the Blues wingers match up. If I don't think they'll put Coates on tour. Sorry, the other way around. But if they do, it's like can Coates come down one of those kicks. At all, but the other thing as well is that the other reason why I want felt is that there's an aerial advantage over Toru who on the wing. No matter who, if, if felt comes in, kicking him all day, limit him on tackle one, but kicking him and maybe see him get some points in the air over that side. But yeah, I think being in North in North Queensland is an advantage for Queensland. I don't give a shit. People will bitchy about the stadium. I don't give a fuck. It's awesome. It's up there. I would have said the same thing was in Newcastle too. It's awesome it's up there. It's only happening because of coronavirus. It's going to be an awesome game, and it's given me more energy for it. And I think Queensland will take game one on 
the fact it's in towns on fumes alone. And, and the, the moment I saw like one or two joke tweets about moving it to Leichhardt, I was worried. I was <laughs> legit go. worried that the morons in charge would actually consider that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, Queensland's packed come a long way though, mate. A couple of years ago when we looked at that bench, like, you know, Parley comes back and Collins will be there next year. But mm. that's a really good middle rotation. And again, the advantage of Queensland over the Blues, they always have is that it's really hard to get the team wrong because they only have like 25, 20, 25 players to pick from. Yeah. It's it's weird for the Blues that guys like Pangai have had their, their card stamped seemingly because a couple of years ago he was in the frame and he turned it down. It's a strange one. But yeah, he's a better player than Lehman and Tarek Sims. Yeah, I think both him and Keon have been better than either of those guys this year comfortably and probably Luciano Lua as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see as well the rotations of the Blues. Like, Freddie has fucked those up every game. Like, he's Turbo's played 80-some games. He has almost every game he's coached. There's been two guys come have had stints under 10 minutes at the end of the game. They've had subs left. And that's the only thing I find awkward about the pack they've picked is that, like, all those guys are big minute guys. Like, Sofidi's probably the only one you'll get the 2020 game out of. But it's like, yeah. Paulo and Haas are best of starters. Yeah, I, I don't understand what... And I, I'm not as low on Jake Dubovic as some people are, but I don't understand what he brings to this team in a team full of guys who can play big minutes and do it in a sort well, of more emphatic way than him. I'm not well, sure. I mean, Isaiah Yo took his lunch right, took his jersey, so just moved him. <laughs> so, no, Yo should be at 13 before to Jake. Ken Murray should be at 13 before Jake. And a non-suspended Victor Radley should be at 13 before Jake. It's just simple for mine. And I don't think they'll drop him, but he'd be... If they lose this game, you can see some obvious changes happening. It's probably the back row, maybe one of the forwards. Yeah. But it just it feels like, you know, I'm not the world's biggest Regan Campbell-Gillard stand, but it really feels like if you shuffle this pack around, start, just, I'd start Paulo and Haas or at least Haas. So Feedy off the bench for impact with Campbell Gillard. Those are two guys who will come off the back fence off the bench. And they're two guys who this year especially have, have done really well at the back end of games running at tired tired defenders yes. as well. So Yeah, so those would be my guys who would have brought the bench. And it makes more sense in that regard for me too. Whereas this one, they've got two ball-playing middles. I know Paulo's one as well, but Paulo can do the hard carries and offload. It just it just feels like a weird blend. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens with Liam Martin and those, those back rowers. But... Yeah. Um, and we will do a bonus pod after the game, so keep an eye out for that. Um, if you if you want access to that, you have to be a member of our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. Uh, Mitchell, uh, listen up, because Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pews. Manscaped, trust of over 2 million men worldwide join the movement for all your below the waist and now above the waist grooming needs uh they are forever changing the grooming game this time with their weed whacker the nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks snags and tugs in those delicate holes it's a premium uh manscaped weed whacker uses 9,000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system with an intelligently contoured design to enhance the trimming experience also waterproof and it lasts for up to 90 minutes of use have you ever pulled nose hairs out with your finger it might hurt worse than nicking your balls. So Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence and providing hygiene because yes, you will get a replacement blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. And again, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turn off. Do not know what the other 21% are doing. Um, it's time to upgrade your Manscaped team with the weed whacker and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code boom rookies at manscaped.com. 
manscaped.com. And thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs in our holes looking nice. So uh, this, the hearing there, they, 90 minutes of battery life for a nose trimmer. It's a lot. It's a lot of nose trimming. Like, I feel like that's a thing that would take like, is that, I don't know, a minute? Five minutes? Maybe five if, minutes. Maybe, like, yeah, I don't know. It's like a hundred uses. That's my maths correct. <laughs> I think that yeah, it might be a final chance though, guys. You got a manscape, get that deal, twenty percent off and free shipping code for rookies at manscaped.com. But get get anything. Just get it while you can. <laughs> Load up. Um, couple of other stories to talk about this week. Huge week. Uh extra long podcast for people by the looks of things. But um, yeah, we've got more fallout between the Rugby League Players Association and Peter Volandis. This is now going back and forth. Um you know, it, it's very clear to see. Uh, look, I don't want to name names, but there's there's very clearly people out there that have platforms to talk about these sort of things who know where their bread is buttered, um, and it is not being buttered by the players who they have resorted to calling selfish and stupid and short-sighted and other things like that. Um, a very strange situation. Look, even when we had literally all of these crisis merchants hammering Todd Greenberg every single day every single year we never had a situation like this where the players themselves were like this is fucked you heard andrew webster say about this that like he had players call him about the constitution of the game which is you know never happened for him before and it's yeah like you know even back when they had the draft and terry hill and all those guys fought those the things back there it's different to now like players are looking to do class action or similar because of the administration of the game and yeah, this has been coming for a while with the decision-making process and the, the way it's been handled and it's not been process-driven. And, of course, it's the first time that we've changed the rules a lot that the players have been affected heavily by it. You know, like, they've obviously enjoyed the game less. They wouldn't be complaining if they weren't. They don't like the blowouts either. They don't like the fatigue. They don't like the symbians, all that kind of stuff. And over time, generally, you know, the guys, no matter the rule change, usually the players still enjoy the bloody game. And it's like, that's a big concern that the players are enjoying it less. Like, so we'll see what they do from there. But it's the worst thing about the whole last couple of weeks is just how much rope coronavirus has bought Peter Volandis. Like, yeah. And- oh, I, I where, he saved the game. I, I'm sick of hearing this. It's not true. Apart from the no. XFL, what other sports didn't survive coronavirus? Correct. Oh, he Sharon can't raise back- the head office, mate. The Sharon came back like three weeks after the NRL did. Like, I, I don't understand where this came from. It's just, it's one of those things. It's like with Greenberg towards the end of his tenure. It's like one of the like three or four like mediocre old dudes that controls every narrative in this sport just said, oh, he has to go. And then everyone just kind of went, yeah, Greenberg, he's, he has to go. He had to go. Set the game broke. All this shit. <laughs> and it's the same again. They're just like, oh, this guy's the hero. You know, without this guy, rugby league would have would have ceased to exist. It's like, no, every other sport still exists. And as far yes. as I know, they don't have the ARLC running them. But uh, yeah, it's baffling. And it, and even if it were true, which it's not, it's now a year since then. It, it's kind of like when, it, it is kind of like when George Piggins brought Souths back. And that was great. But then when it became time to run a football club permanently, <laughs> that was not his, like, he could not do that. And they had to get rid of him to ensure that the club could succeed long-term. And, and look, I'm sure Volanis is a somewhat more shrewd operator than George Piggins was, but yeah, even if the things you're saying are true, it doesn't matter now because 
Blowouts are worse than ever before. I care less now about games not involving Souths than I ever have before. Um, so do you. Um, and yeah, and people in general are turning off. And I know ratings are down for everything because, you know, just fewer people using um, TVs. But it just seems like people we talk to, people listen to this show even. People who love rugby league so much, they listen to podcasts about it. Care less about rugby league than they used to. Yeah, I mean... Hundred percent. Everything you said there, mate. Hundred percent. And the rope it bought him is bizarre because it's just any industry. How many things? Every job survived coronavirus, and you're supposed to then just take whatever workplace you've been given, workplace conditions you've been given since then. You're supposed to sit there and take it. Anyone listening to this podcast, anyone who of us who made it through coronavirus, who got a salary reduction, who lost half their colleagues, who got broken promises, you're supposed to sit there and take it because, well, the person in charge kept the business alive. Hmm. It's a, it's ridiculous, and the same thinking of like, well, you, you achieve X, so disregard all of Y. Oh, Michael McGuire won the competition with South. You should still be the head coach. Yeah, same thing. Performance based in- industry, mate, and it's just the same old narrative. All this stuff, like we just saw again on the weekend, the same amount of concussions we were seeing all the other games. Because as everybody knows, getting slapped in the face doesn't actually cause that many concussions in the game. We all seen them. The numbers prove it as well, but. It's the, not the decision-based thinking again. It's the reverse process, the, the weird way, then the fake news comes after it. But that's why the players are fr- frustrated. They can't understand it either. We're all frustrated and they should be frustrated too. And all they're asking for is a seat at the table. <laughs> like, that's it. They only ask for a seat, ask for a seat at the table, which they've had in the past. I, mean, hell, I think Luke Keery and Damien Cook were on the rules committee like last year, mm. a part of it. And yeah, they, all they want is their voice heard and... I think they deserve that right. Like they're one of the biggest stakeholders in the game. Like they don't own yeah. the game more than anyone else does, but they Listen, still are the biggest stakeholder. The, the game will keep going without like a few hot tape merchants who want to, you know, shine Volandi's shoes until the day they die. The game won't keep going if the players don't want to play it anymore. Yeah, it's just truly bizarre, and the, and the way the people putting the players down with it is ridiculous, and acting like. Oh, you couldn't do this in the mines. Well, the people saying that you don't work at the fucking mines either, mate. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know what happens in the mines either. You got no fucking clue what happens in the mines. Either do I. You, you, you sit on TV six nights a week talking shit. You're less important than, than anybody in this piece. Just like I am right now. I'm less important yeah. than any of those players. Utterly ridiculous. But, but the yeah, I mean, we know we, we know we don't matter. So that's different. Yes, exactly. Just every single week, this stuff, mate, like, there's a breaking point coming at some point. I don't know what it is. It's it's building. But and most of the sake the key stakeholders are sick of this shit. Yep. Um, and last thing to talk about before we get out of here, Dalliams have gone behind closed doors. Uh, obviously, Latrell Mitchell's year-long coronation was somewhat uh ruined by him hitting someone in the head with his elbow. <laughs> so it does sort of blow it open a little bit. Having said that, I think it's Nathan Cleary's award to lose. Uh, yeah, he's clearly, he's like a mile ahead. So he's got to win that. And they uh, will just keep winning games. I think unless he gets yeah. hurt, it's his, it's his Dallium, yeah. which is fine. Look, we, we've said this. They don't always get the winner wrong. It's just usually the guys just behind the winner that are the weird ones. And well, yes. clearly would be a deserving winner this year. They did get it wrong last year though. A Warriors wing is in second place. Two of us oh, check. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. I think we're in for a really good year though with rookie of the year. Like this. We such good, so many good rookies this year, man. Like Dane Laurie, Sam Walker, Reese Walsh. That's, That's a stacked field, isn't it? It is. So I, 
I think Dane Laurie's my uh, front runner there, but it's been a great year for rookies. And uh, I think if the Roosters end up finishing fourth or fifth, the kid will get it. Yeah. You think? Well, how does it? Well, look, it's. I agree with you that Dane Laurie's probably played better, but if the Tigers finish eleventh mm. and the Roosters finish fourth, and he's playing halfback <laughs> yeah. for them every week, probably I mean, it. and because Rookie of the Year is, as far as I, it's, that's not based on Dalian points, right? It's just that's like a gut thing that they vote on, right? I mean, take, it changed all the goddamn time. It's just a gut thing they vote on. It was, but they they change how the process of works all the time and don't really announce it. So. Sounds like yeah. most things. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I would I would agree with you at Laurie, but I think Sam Walker will end up winning rookie of the year if they if they go on a little run and finish fourth or fifth. Rookie takes. Uh rookie takes are back for another week. If you are a new listener to the show, this is of course your opportunity to submit uh some of the dumbest pieces of uh work that people have provided um oh, in the rugby week. league discourse um over the course of the week. You can then vote on our Patreon, on the winner each week. The only way to submit and vote for Rookie Takes is to be a member of our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. You get access to our Discord. Um, there's plenty of other things as well. There's merchandise that comes with your membership tiers. And of course, next year, you can enter the Coltrane Cup. Obviously, it'd be too late for you to be doing that right now, given we're halfway through the season. Uh, and I'd like to give a quick shout out to the top people in the top two tiers of our Patreon. And they are Dave, Bert Andrews, uh, Rocky and Rafi, Carlo Tyson, Wayne Ritchie, Anthony Anger, Ben Wallace, Big Chief 69, Blake Moretti, Blame Hud, Butsy, Cam Beswick, Chris Avnell, Chris Slade, CTO, Dan Cullinane, Doc Hogg, Frankie, Harvey G, Jace G, Jack Snape, James K, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, Josh Brandon, Josh Tommy 98, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, Maddie Jenkins, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, Maddie McPhee, Michael Murray, Morgan Watkins, my ding dong is hard and I am sad, Razor, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Swarzy, Ty, the not so mature student, Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, Turbos Heroes and Warwick Ahern. Thank you so much for your continued support. We would not be doing this uh, without you. And now on, oh, sorry, no, uh, uh, penis and uh, depression update. <laughs> um, after the audio issues, depression and uh, penis both very flat. Yeah, it was annoying. I thought it was just on my end. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, little little cord malfunction for you. So hopefully it's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, again, I didn't know USBs could get loose, but the moment you said you sent it, I looked over and it was like, oh, that doesn't look fully plugged in. No, not <laughs> so, ideal. So that was great. Um, all right, so we've got our final five for this week at Fantasy Amateurs. Legit question. Why do people think Ivan Cleary is a good coach? 47% win rate prior to inheriting this super team from Anthony Griffin and Gus Gould. <sighs> One thing I love, by the way, we saw that DWZ contract this week, 800K a year, whatever. It's one of those things like Gus loves his Penrith team, really works at the Warriors. But generally, if if you were really good at your job, generally it's when you're working at that place, the impact's felt. <laughs> You know, it's not, I mean, they succeed without you isn't generally a good thing. I'm just saying that like, they like succeed years after you're gone and your contracts are gone. And well, yeah, it's like this it's week, like, all the, all the English media people who are mates with Frank Lampard falling over each other to praise Frank Lampard for getting fired and then having someone else win the Champions League. It's like, oh, he uh, built this team. It's like, yeah, and they were shit. So he got fired and they got someone else. Yep. Right. So that's, uh, that's all his credit, mate. Like, uh, Gary, and then a bunch of numbers. I, I, I don't know if we should include this. It's pretty terrible. Ryan James, indigenous round. Ryan James, that does not sound very Aboriginal, more Anglo-Saxon white, just like all the other half Aboriginal players. So why did they choose their Aboriginal side? And why are Aboriginals so special? What have they ever done for Australia? <laughs> Fucking hell. What have, they ever... <laughs> what have they ever done for Australia? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. That's why it's great. What the fuck? You cooked, motherfucker. All right. Uh, we got uh, Raidercast.com.au. Anyone who thinks oh, that no. Dalian medalist should be overlooked for someone who's yet to achieve anything doesn't have a clue. Jack is the best six in the comp, bar none. Hashtag NRL Roosters Raiders. So I assume he said this during a game where Jack White lost by 600 points. So good. Yeah, that guy was on mine on Saturday night. Good on him. <laughs> Uh, I'm not reading out Phil Rothfield's 21 things that Peter Volandis has done that are great to save rugby league. They'll be on the voting sheet. A few that I can pick out are negotiated new TV deal. Um, yep. Is it just a, like a, a least list of things that happened? Like that's what that list was. It is, honestly, These are yes. Things that uh, introduce the six again rule. Good. Great. Uh, hmm. Given clubs substantial cash increases during COVID. What? Uh, the, the, Oh, he actually included the 2040, even if it's never been used. Yeah, that's uh, good. Good, good, good. There's a, there's a bunch of other incredibly stupid things on here. I got rid of Todd Green Turd. He, he must he must have got because he was actually going up. Vlandis. He must have got a tap. Yeah, he got the tap. That hundred percent. He got the tap to like you know you got to do some positive Vlandis stuff. So he just wrote 21 things on a piece of paper. I was like, here, these are things. Yeah, I don't think he should win. I don't think he. I, I don't genuinely don't think he believes. I'm sorry, I've been told not to influence the voting process, but anyway, I don't who, think he believes. No, who said that? Who said what? <laughs> we don't Several. influence the voting now, process. Um, and finally, got Mark Levy. I'm not reading the article, but the uh, <laughs> the NRL players trying to get rid of Peter Volandis would have been in the Centrelink queue if not for him. Yeah. I do love, like, okay, we all know he came back early. He did a good job of that. But it's so good that, like, being back, like, a week before other sports, is he saved it. And then also, Rugby League would have died within that week. Like, it would all be dead. The players would be at center league, apparently. Not another sporting coach. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Great stuff. All right. Uh, we come to another show. We'll be back with question time later in the week. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>